The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening. It's time! Fighting out of New York City, he is the reigning, defending, undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. The only, the infamous Andrew Shaw! On the shores of Malibu where the waves are pumping, to the Great Wall of China, and back to the streets of Las Vegas where the UFC is coming. We are live. This is It's Time Radio, the show we talk about what you think about, but maybe afraid to voice. Do not worry. We will voice it for you. We talk about everything on It's Time. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, film, TV, politics, UFC, and comedy. And now we have a very special guest on the show. First starting off with my co-host, my producer, TJ DeSantis. TJ, how are you? I'm good. I think I saw sex, drugs, and rock and roll all in that uh, video we started the show with. I know. Well, you know what? That video, if you get compelled by that video, if you get interested in that video, which I can't see how you won't, let's bring on the star of that video because I had the chance to open for him. I was very honored to open for him and to do a special video for him for all his shows. But forget about me, the star of the hour, Andrew Schultz. Andrew, how are you? Hey, thank you, man. I'm good, brother. How are you? I'm really good. Really good. Getting ready. Thank you so much for doing that, by the way. People lost their minds, man. It was unbelievable. You know, the way you set it up, and I let me give a little history to our audience. I actually got contacted by Joe Rogan, who yeah. is a good friend of yours. And Joe said, you know, that his friend, Andrew Schultz, you know, would like talking about a video that you and I connected and we met, got right. along great, um, had a blast filming that video for you. So happy to hear it's working for you. But just to let the audience know, and TJ should know too, um, we were at the Orpheum Theater where Andrew was performing, where you and I have been at for Eddie Bravo's jiu-jitsu tournaments. And um, Andrew started this video, this really cool video, not the one we showed at the beginning, it's a totally different one, me in the tuxedo, you know, giving him the big introduction. And then they stopped it in the middle and they said, ho, 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 wait, 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 wait. It's not working or something created an issue. Let's bring on, how did, how did you say it, Andrew? Let's bring on the real guy. Uh, let's, uh, I think we can do better than a video. Let's do yeah. the real thing. So then I walked out and much to my enjoyment, the crowd went nuts without me saying a word, which totally made me feel like incensed. And then I gave you the big, big, big punch and then, um, got back and watched the show with my friend Kitty and we just had a great time and it was awesome. Andrew, you are so funny, but I got to tell you that your material is so friggin' original. You Thank know? you, man. I mean, you went on tangents that I would be almost embarrassed to talk about. And believe me, I'm not <laughs> embarrassed about a lot of things. But the audience loves you. But here's the cool thing. 
this show was sold out two years ago. Is that right? Can you tell yeah. us how this, how this worked? Well, we were going to originally film the special there. So um, I'm going to be, I'm going to be shooting a special in a couple of weeks actually. And then we were going to originally film it there. We we're going to do it before COVID and we were going to film it in April. And you know, things with COVID got shut down, I think around like March probably. Right. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so we're like, okay. And then we decided to just keep pushing it. We tried to have another date, tried to have another date. And eventually when things start to open up again, we're like, all right, fuck it, let's just do it. But I moved the special taping because I didn't know what the rules in California were going to be. You know, I had no clue if they were going to shut everything down. Like, we're actually very fortunate because we got in right before the mandate started. Uh-huh. So they, I think you guys have a new mandate where they have to make sure that every single person is vaccinated. That goes into all these different things. I mean, I'm vaccinated. My guys are vaccinated, but, uh, it was tricky because there are people that are flying around from all over the world. They might not have been vaccinated. So we got in there right before and when it was still the same rules as like uh, restaurants and stuff, which is basically right. you know, just, you know, wear a mask and go in. And, uh, and then, uh, we just said, Hey, let's just do it. We'll go. And so we moved the special to Austin and, um, and these people came out, man. It was so cool. Like they bought tickets two years ago. Who knows what the hell happened, especially with the pandemic in two years. And we did four shows at the Orpheum. It was fucking unreal. Yeah, it was unreal. And your crew, you know, the supportive crew that you have there is just amazing. And like I was kidding with you when you came on now, because they're there with you now, a couple of them, and you're joined at the hip. But I mean, you've got your boys and and I guess you're just a traveling road show. How many, how many shows are you having around the country right now? Yeah, now I think we're doing like... God, I mean, it just keeps on growing. Like, that's the thing with a comedy tour. It's like, once you have the hour, like, and you're out there putting it, you know, on the road, you're hitting every single market you can, you know? So we're going to do all the markets that we haven't hit already, obviously. And then we'll keep on touring. And then I'm going to do probably Europe next summer. So I might just like live in Europe. We might just live in Europe for like six weeks and like every weekend go to a different destination, do a show there, and then have a home base in like Italy or Portugal or spain or some shit and wow. kick it by the ocean do the podcast there so we're just yeah. trying to have some fun with it man we're just trying to you know enjoy this life and enjoy this opportunity we're pretty fucking lucky to have this opportunity so try yeah. to make the most of it. amazingly lucky but you worked your ass off for it so let's say you earned it you know and it's amazing you travel the world and you're doing these tours and these shows sold out everywhere but you're taking a little time for yourself your fiance i've met She's beautiful. You're getting married. You went to the Thank city you. of love, Paris. You were just out there for a week. How was that? Ah, uh, it was all right. Really? Come on, <laughs> come on. Let's get a little more there. Let's get a little more. Uh, I mean, you know what it is with Paris is like, Paris is like, uh, Paris, is, Paris is like an Instagram model. Like it looks great on Instagram. And then in real life, you're like, oh, okay. You're kind of like everybody else, you know? So like, it's one of these things that like, they hype up so high that this is the city of love. It's the most amazing place you've ever been. But like now with the internet, everything's the same. Like I live in New York, Paris is just like Soho, but if it was the size of Brooklyn. So like, I've seen all of these things. I've seen like nice buildings. I've seen like fancy restaurants and shops and that kind of stuff. So right. I think they make it seem like this, it's the most miraculous city that's ever been, you know, created. And then you go there and you're like, I mean, it's cool. I wasn't mad at it, but yeah. if you told me that it was a, a hidden gem and I went there, I'd be like, bro, this is amazing. We got to tell people about Paris, but they've been telling us about Paris for the last 600 years. So we're like, we get it. It's okay. I understand. You got some beautiful buildings. You got some nice cheese and bread. I mean, uh, man, I've been to so many cities that Andrew's talking about just like this, Bruce, where all the photos look like amazing and you get there and you're like, all right, we should have gone somewhere else. I it's kind of like the movie commercial that shows you the trailer, but that shows you the three best scenes. In the right. Movie. Yeah. It's like, all right. I already, I already saw it. Go there. 
but at the same time, like, I don't know. I like to travel. Like, and, I, and for me, I don't need to go to the fanciest place. I just need to go to the places like the most unique cultural experience. So like when I'm walking around a fucking bazaar in Morocco, that is way more exciting for me than right. going to Paris and seeing buildings that look like the buildings in my neighborhood. Right. And eating food that looks like the food in my neighborhood. Right. And it's like, I mean, I'm, I li- I'm lucky. I live in New York. So it's not like the food is going to be that much worse than the food in Paris. I mean, it's just butter at the end of the day. Like who puts more butter? That's how <laughs> yeah. the food is good. Right. Oh, you guys have extra butter. Okay, cool. So I don't know. I wouldn't tell my girl this, you know, also I fucking, I shit the bed and it was, it was bad. I got, I shit my, the bed. I took a shit. Oh. Wait, wait, you got, you like literally from the, butter? From the too yeah. much butter? I might, it was the butter helped it slide out or something, but I just, I just woke up one morning and there was like a stain in the bed and I, I thought my girl had her period and I was like, ah, oh, that sucks. And I started walking and my butt was all cold and I was like, this is weird. And then I went to the bathroom and I was just a fucking a wet shit in my underwear. So, uh, so I think that was a little part of it that I was a little annoying. Did, anyway, did you not did, an example of how honest Andrew is in his comedy as he is in his real life? I don't know what is. I was just going to say, that, yeah. is, is this like the tangent you were talking about during the show, Bruce? Because oh. like, I feel like this is a, a bit or something we're building no, to something. But but I this is also, I mean, you're very candid. I, like, what, what was the excuse? Were you just straight up with her? Or did you be like, oh, yeah, no, I, I got some like uh, chocolate sauce and I just forgot about it. And I was like oh. hiding it. Like, what'd you do? No, I, I say, say, honestly, Andrew, you say the sex was doubly exciting. That's all. Yeah, I was like, it was so amazing. I just shit myself. No, I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I just said, uh, no, I said, babe, I think you shit the bed. I tried to blame it on her, and uh, and then she did. She looked and she was like, no, I didn't shit. I was like, oh fuck, I guess I shit the bed. And then uh, and then I, you know, went out and I bought her a nice purse. So that's how you get out of that. You just all right. <laughs> I mean, well, what's better, Louis <laughs> versus uh, Louis Bam Bam? You know, all good. I guess that's love, you know. You're talking about the city of love. That's love. That's love. No, she's great. I mean, like yeah, Paris is fun. Like it's good pictures and that kind of stuff. But like, there's so many places you can travel that are so much cheaper that you'll have a way better, more unique time. Like, I don't know. You know what you missed, Andrew? You could have gone to the south of France, my favorite place. There you go, and Monaco. Just, there we go. Yeah, I'm telling you, you would have had the most amazing the beaches and, and you sit on the beach and they bring you the finest meals and your bottles of wine. And and then you can dress up like James Bond at night and go to the fancy casinos like you see in the Bond movies, you know, now we're talking. See, yeah. that's fun. That's a cool that's immersive fun. experience. You get to live. You get to live as if you were Bond. You know, like I'm walking through Paris. and I'm like, I don't know who I'm living as. Like, I'm not fucking Ernest Hemingway. I never want to live at him. You know what I mean? Like, so who is my guy? Like. Did you go to the museums? Uh, yeah, actually, I liked, uh, you know, the thing about museums is so interesting is like, uh, if anybody ever goes, hey, do you want to go to this museum? My knee jerk reaction is, is like, why would you waste my fucking time? Like, why would you even ask me? I'm so bored for the next four hours. And in every museum I go to, I'm like, yo, art's kind of cool. You know, like just right. sitting around here looking at shit. It's really not that bad. And I, I was in the Louvre and it was, it was phenomenal. It was great. I loved it. I love museums, but don't ask me to go. I have to almost be like forced. And then I sit there and I go, I see it. I get it. I cool. feel that. I feel that. Cause it's kind of like a, a thing that isn't on your top to do list anywhere. Right? Like the, the Louvre. Sure. It's great. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, shit on it, but the fact is like, I'd rather just walk around and just see things that, you know, I can't look at on the internet, but once you're there, it's like, oh wait, this is, this is actually pretty cool. 
One last museum question. Did you see the Mona Lisa? I did. Isn't it tiny though? It's it's small, right? Yeah, it's not that big. And it's just like the Mona Lisa is crypto. Like (laughs) that's what it is. It's like we've all just agreed that this thing that is worthless is worth something. Right. That should give you all the confidence in the world about crypto because once human beings just decide something has value, it doesn't matter if it's valueless. Like you can't in a famine, you can't eat it. You know, you can't make out out of it. Like there's no real value to any of this. Just like there's no value of Bitcoin or any of these other things. They'll say all the nonsense to be like, well, book the blockchain. What's what's the what is that? What is it? It's a code. I don't I don't know. Everything's right. Like it's nothing. So it it shows our ability to believe in things and once we believe in things and we agree that they have value, like all of a sudden it, they become, you know, they become superstars. They become, right. you know, this is this next level. I mean, there are way more beautiful paintings and way more beautiful like sculptures that are in the Louvre, in my opinion, than that See, one. I, I kind of got out of my wife ever wanting to go to Paris because she talked about wanting to go in the past. And she's like, I just want to go see the Eiffel Tower. I'm like, yeah, I geeked out about the Eiffel Tower because I'm a radio guy and yeah. the Eiffel Tower is a radio tower. And now yeah. apparently she can't just get over the fact that it's just a dumb radio tower and she has no interest anymore. So I, I kind of saved myself some money by being a nerd. The one thing yeah. I like about the Eiffel Tower is the restaurant they have at the top or in the middle, whatever it is in the Eiffel Tower. If you like truffles, it's a place to go. But. Again, South the radio of Tower. South of France. That's all I can tell you. Andrew. That's the vibe, right? South of France or go South to like Positano or like Lake Como or something like that. Like, will you be on it? Go say hi to George Clooney when he gets on his bike and gets his cheese and bread in the morning or go yeah. sit on the beach and look at all the topless women. I, I'm telling you, South of France. You can't go wrong, right? You can't go. I love George Clooney's little photo op. I'm a regular guy just like you. Oh yeah. <laughs> I get my own cheese and bread. As long as there's a photographer, I will do normal things. Exactly. <laughs> Is there somebody taking pictures? I'll pick up the dog shit. If there's not, where's my slave? <laughs> Slaves, the dogs have shit. Get over here. Hey Andrew, a little segue here. You know, you're 30. Yeah. Exactly twice your age. No, I'm not twice your age. Pardon me. I'm 64. You're 37, right? There you go. I've been going to the comedy store before you were born. That's right. That's it's right. amazing. And I told you, you know, when we met on a couple of occasions, what a stand-up comedian freak I am and how that was my weekly visit every week. You know, uh, David Letterman, the host of the show. I saw everybody, Robin Williams, Pryor, you name it. I saw everybody there. Um, I didn't see you there, but I got to see you at the Orpheum. So that worked. So what drove you uh, you know, when I'm looking at your background here, what drove you into comedy? What was the motivating factor to become a stand-up comedian and when did you start and when did you realize that you were going to make it i think you got to start with where are you from andrew like originally yeah i'm from new york uh i always loved comedy like i i was just watching it since i was a kid i got roped into like those like deaf comedy jam video scam that russell simmons was doing where like you give your credit card yeah, and yeah. sending you a new cassette tape every single week like my dad was like what's going on why do i keep getting like tapes in the mail um and but i just love stand-up i mean like the first memory i have in stand-up is listening to delirious eddie murphy's delirious on cassette tape with my father like just the audio of it and like imagining what these things were that he was acting out and like i just i just love stand-up and then um i was going to college in santa barbara i went to uc santa barbara i was like managing a uh a uh, restaurant while I was going to school and they had a comedy night randomly. They just saw that I was really interested in it. And they're like, you want to try it out? I tried it out. I loved it. And, 
I think one of the things I love about it is that uh, obviously there's like the reaction from the people. And obviously, you know, I like, I like, um, you know, playing devil's advocate a little bit. I like the like intellectual warfare, but uh, I, I really like the fact that like every night it was different. You know, it's like learning how to play basketball, like the hoop is seven feet one night, 10 feet the next, 12 feet. Like the crowd is different every single night. So to really hone the craft is to get these group of strangers to act as one unit when they are from completely different walks of life every single night. And I found that super challenging. And I think that challenge was really exciting for me. You know, I, I, I've heard that, Andrew, that even when you do like two shows in the same room, but it's just different crowds that you can deliver the material the same way. But just because it's a different room, per se, even though it's physically the same room, but just with different people that it, it can land and, and you have to adjust just completely differently from one set to the next. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a conversation man. like you can have the same conversation with two different people, but like, you don't know what those people went through that day. You know, so right. Right. You and I are, you know, talking about how we feel about Afghanistan, and I'm talking to somebody who works at the post office. The next time I'm talking to someone who's got a cousin in Afghanistan, that's going to be a very different conversation. Yeah. You know? So if, if I don't take that into account, then uh, you know it could seem insensitive, or it could be bombing, or whatever it is. And I think the same thing with stand-up is like, how do I get these people on my level? And I always admired the comics that could do that. That that they could like take these group of strangers and instead of like meeting them at their level is take all of them and bring them to the performers. Right. Now, you know, you interact with your crowd, as I noticed, you know, being the first time to see you live at the Orpheum and we all know comics deal with hecklers. Okay. So how long did it take you or did you immediately, were you able to deal with hecklers and like, what's the worst heckler you ever had? What's you have like a horrible heckler experience? Oh yeah. I mean, like just, I, I mean, I punched the face once doing a show. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, Tell that story, please. Uh, you know, I would, I would just go up anywhere. So there was like these, these like what we would call hood rooms, but basically they're called the Chitlin Circuit, is the black circuit that exists in New York and it exists like all throughout the country. So there's a mainstream like circuit that has, you know, white people, black people, Spanish people, everybody, but they're also like independent circuits, right? And like the black circuit, there's like a bunch of these rooms. They're like these iconic rooms in New York and they basically like take a bar and they turn it into a comedy show one night a week, right? And uh, there's this, comedian named Smokey Suarez, who's been doing a legendary room called Cafe Mocha. The first time I went up there, I was just talking to the crowd a little bit and like, you're just performing in front of like the bar essentially. And um, I was kind of like busting balls, but I wasn't good enough yet. So I'm like making fun of some guy, but I wasn't really good at it. And uh, he got upset and he walks up to me and I thought he was going to the bathroom or something. And he's just standing in front of me. I'm like, what's up, dude? Like, and uh, he just swings on me. And um, Swings on me immediately. The bouncer grabs him. Another bouncer grabs me. They kick him out. And I remember the host uh, hands me the microphone and he goes, all right, bro, keep doing your thing. And then I just had to keep doing the set after just getting punched in the face. So I think after that moment, I was like, nothing worse can happen. I mean, you know, you never know who you are. You never, sorry, TJ. uh, Perfect example, Andrew. You never know who you are until you get punched in the face. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I was I, I was just gonna say we got the best chin in comedy. Damn right. Let's go. So it's absolutely, absolutely. Did you I go down? Did you take the punch? Oh, 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 good, 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 good. There's, but all this. I mean, you know, I've had like beer bottles thrown at me, candles thrown at me. Like I, I have like a very confrontational like humor style, and I knew. <laughs> yeah, like so, like you've seen it, but like it, and 
in order to get these jokes off, it takes like a decade of learning how to get a crowd to trust you and be on your side. And I think a lot of comics, they just go, well, fuck the crowd. It's like, no, 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 it's not fuck the crowd. Like you ask them to be there. Right. You, know, you want to make them laugh. So it's like, how do you get them to feel secure and safe enough to laugh at this joke? Because all the things I'm saying, if it was the three of us talking, we're going to laugh our asses off. But once you're in public with 200 other people, 300 other people, 2000 other people, right. when you laugh, there's like your coworkers there. It's like, oh my God, are they laughing about a joke about murder? Are they laughing about a joke about molestation? What the hell? So you have to get everybody comfortable enough in that environment. And that's the skill that took me a long time to learn. But I was like, the only way I'm going to learn it, if I keep on getting punched in the face, I'm going to keep on having to work this muscle. And then eventually I started to, you know, find my groove. And now we're in a pretty cool place. Uh, I'm curious. I got to react to something he said. I'm so sorry. He mentioned molestation. Okay. He did a bit that night. Obviously, bringing up Michael Jackson. Yeah. And then he talks about the beauty of being molested by Michael Jordan. Yeah. Who the hell comes up with a bit like that? Okay. Yeah, it's a, That's all I can tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be a wild one. You guys will see that one. On yeah, I don't think you can explain yeah, no. it. You got to see it. In if, if they don't try to. Well, yeah, it's, we'll see what happens. Yeah. What I was going to ask Andrew is, you know, as your star sort of rises and you become more uh, well-known, do you feel like winning that crowd over becomes easier? Because the people that are coming into, whether it be the Orpheum or a smaller room, wherever you are performing, they're coming in with the mindset of like, okay, this is what I'm in store for. This is, you know, yeah, who I'm going to see. I never, um, I never enjoyed the winning them over part of comedy. That wasn't where my ego is satisfied. I actually hated the first couple minutes on stage. I, sure. I thought it was the dumbest part of comedy because it's like, I know I'm funny. You guys don't know I'm funny, but like you paid money to be here. So you might as well assume that I'm going to be funny. So why don't we just start at I'm funny instead of like, all right, who's this guy? He's going to prove himself to I'm like, right. It's the only part of comedy when you're early on where you feel like a court jester, like you feel like you're just fucking tap dancing. And then so what I I think there are a lot of comics who really like being like uh, unsuspecting and then winning over the crowd. But I think it's a bad thing to enjoy about comedy because as your success increases, the more people who already know and expect you there. Yeah. Increases. So you're going to lose out on that part of comedy that you like, like surprising people, like wowing them. Oh, I didn't think you had it in you. It's like, no, no, I, I have it in me. So now let's get to the goods. Like, let's have some fucking fun. Like, right. I'm not the underdog out here. Right. You, know what I'm like, we, you don't have, you don't have Bruce Buffer intro you if you think you're the underdog. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's like, so it like I, what I always felt like is what you get out of comedy, like the joy that, that you should get out of it has to do with like either the material that you're writing or those live interactions that you're having with people in that moment that will never be able to happen again. But uh, you know, for me, I'm drawn to those moments. Yeah. See, it, it's odd to me, Andrew, that there are people that seem to pay money that actually part with their hard-earned cash to go to a comedy club. And for whatever reason, whether they're just having a bad day or they didn't think it through, they're there with this mindset of like, I'm not ready to laugh yet. Make me laugh. You know, perform and entertain. It's, it's a two-way sort of tango. You know, you have to be in the mindset to be a willing participant, at least be open to the material. Because I swear, man, there are some times where, where people are there, and I don't know if they're just trying to take frustrations out or, or, or what, but they, they tend to have it in their mind that you're not funny and you're not going to make them laugh. Yeah, it's tricky, man, because it's also like 
you know, people are insecure as well. And like now that it becomes, you know, there's so much responsibility on them to be able to laugh. And I don't know, as I get more successful, I have more empathy for those people. Like they're kind of trying to do the right thing. Like if their sense of humor is super woke, which is like the most annoying thing in the world because it's fraudulent in my opinion, like this is not who you are in private. Like even my most woke friends, like when we're texting, they're absolute animals, but all of a sudden they're woke when they're in public. So it's like, I understand what you're trying to do. You're trying to do the right thing. You're trying to be a good person and you just don't have enough confidence to be who you are and allow people to judge you. So you're like afraid of who you are and you're trying to be the person that won't be judged by strangers. So I like, I empathize with that. I'm also like, you're a fucking coward, but instead of being angry at you, uh, now I'm like, it's okay, man. Like if you came to my show with my crowd, you'd feel comfortable being yourself. And that's what I like about what we built is like, I mean, you were there, you know, at Bruce. I mean, it's like, it's the most diverse audience in comedy. Like nobody's coming close. Right. And it's like, and I'm just, I'm some fucking white guy saying jokes about everybody, but it is super diverse. And the thing I like about it is basically we never tried to capitulate to anybody. And because we didn't try and we made fun of everybody evenly, all these people came out. They're like, finally, finally, it's not some like white person feeling super guilty and trying to pander to me. So I laugh. It's just like, bust my balls because I'm going to bust your balls. And then we're going to bust that person's balls. Women right. are going to get it. Different religions. Everybody, everybody gets made fun. That's what brings me. Well, sorry, just real quick. Isn't it funny? That's what like real relationships are. Like, I, I, like I think I'm a pretty politically correct person, but you know, when I'm with my friends who like we're savages to each other. That's just how it is. That's how I know I'm at home. You know, with with my buddies. Yeah, I don't trust you if you don't like try to make fun of me or we're not busting balls. Like, right? On, man. Let it fly. Let it fly. That takes me to another question. You know, we all went through the Me Too movement. Beginning is still happening, of course. How did that affect you? How did the Me Too movement affect you and your comedy? Did it shut you down a little bit? No, I mean, I just, I'm, I, to be honest, it probably, I probably, and harder because I like to push back against whatever's popular, you know, like, so if everybody hates Trump, then I want to do the joke about why he's, he's funny or he's right. You know, so if everybody's super afraid of me too, then I'm doing a joke about how it's stupid, right? So it's like, that's just for me what I enjoy doing comedically. Whatever the sentiment of the time is, I push back against that. Right? You're a shitster. Yes, it's just fun. Like this right. is what we do. Like if I, I hate these people that are just doing politically correct comedy. It's like, well, just do politics. Like why, why, what are you doing over here? Like you really want to make a change in the world? Go make a change. You're not going to make a change in the world before for 13 people in fucking Indiana. You know what I mean? Like, it's like stop bullshitting yourself. You like the pats on the back, so go be a politician. But uh. Yeah. So like for me, it didn't really stop anything. You know, it's just, it was fun. You know, it was like, I'm not, I wasn't worried about anything with, with me too. Like, you know, I've, I've never been like, um, I've never been like fucked up with girls or anything like that. You know, like I've been with, I'm sure plenty of women, whatever I'm not saying to brag about, but like, but like is, is I know how to not be a douchebag. You know, I think that there are a lot of people who are just like scumbags and they got quiet real quick. They're like, uh Oh, Cause it felt like the reckoning was happening, but it's like, yeah, if you're not a fucking scumbag to girls, like you're, you're going to be okay. If you got nothing to worry about, let it fly, you know, exactly. yourself. Totally. It was fine. You know, it is, it is what it is. And also I have like a fiance. So it's like, it's not like I'm out here trying to get laid. And it, during the B2 era, I could see how that was tricky for people who are single. 
But oh, when yeah. I was in a relationship, I was like, ah, yeah, deal with that shit. I don't This is, well, this is I, not problems. <laughs> I, I, I've heard that the number one way to get, like, side action is to talk about how you were with your girl in Paris and shit the bed. Nah, you know, that's really, exactly, really attractive yeah. to, to all other- my comedy is geared you know you want to talk about girls though in all those years i've been going to the comedy stores i think one of the reasons i did go every week because it was the date perfect perfect date yeah I mean, women love to laugh you guys closed the deal for me more times than not over the years i'm telling you man i love you comedians thank you thank you thank you <laughs> yeah you don't have to say shit the whole night we make her laugh she's giggling she's feeling yeah. Walk out of there, and you get the, yeah, you get the sign sealed. The, the benefits, whatever that might be. <laughs> I mean, hu- humor is like nature's like first drink to loosen up. You know what I mean? If people don't drink, if you at least get them to laugh, they're just in a completely different mindset and much more yeah. apt to to you know have fun. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. Yeah. And hey, you Andrew. Can talk about it too. You're just, it's just like it gives you something to reference. Like you get to have an experience with somebody that you right. haven't had any experiences with. And then you get to reference all those experiences for the rest of the night. So, you know, when you first meet somebody, you guys don't know what you have in common. So you're searching for it. You're like, oh, yeah, I stayed in Barcelona once. Oh, it's pretty nice. So now you go see these comedians, you get to judge them. You're like, oh, the third guy, he was really good. Oh, the girl right. funny. And the conversation's just flowing. Like, ah. you, You've hit on two things that I think all relationships are, are built on. One is just that, that ball busting. You know, we like to have that camaraderie. But the other thing are stitchbacks, you know, jokes to things or experiences that we've all had. Like, those two things, I think, are the most important uh, factors in building a real relationship with anybody. Yeah, I think so, man. I mean, I've been lucky in in terms of like, uh, you know, a lot of the jokes that I've made also like are about people that are in the crowd, like a lot of the stuff that we put out. So it's like, it's very hard to cancel me for like doing the joke to the person's face. Right, right. And seeing that person laugh at it. So some fucking white chick on a keyboard is going to decide that the Muslim dude I'm making fun of is upset at something, even though he's laughing. It's really, it's, it's a tricky it's a tricky dynamic. So I think I avoid it. But what I realize is just a lot of people, like they just want to be kind of seen, you know? So I'm just curious about culture. I like to travel. I like to talk to people. So when I'm talking to somebody and I'm talking about their culture and I'm not doing some like hacky joke, but I'm doing something kind of nuanced about it. And then like other people see it and they're just not used to their culture being like expressed in any place. You know, if you're from fucking Bosnia, you don't see people talking about Bosnia. And if I have a joke making fun of somebody from there, they're like, first of all, how the fuck does he know it? Second of all, hey, look, they're talking about us. Right. And it's yeah. kind of cool for them. They, they, they're they not feeling upset about it. They right. feel seen. They feel like their culture is important and like valued. And it's it's a really exciting experience. And I think that's why a lot of my clips have just kind of gone so viral is all literally, literally entire communities. They're just going, yo, that was a really good one. And that's God. smart humor too. You got to be well traveled and well read to do that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think you just got to care about like. I think I don't know. For me, it's it's like uh, I'm not like doing homework assignments. I'm saying that's what you're you're implying, but like I'm just actually curious. Like I'm right. I mean, you, you got to follow the oh, news wow. and stuff to know, you know, where everybody comes from and and what they're experiencing. If it's going to be something that you're going to reference. Yeah. So Andrew, you know, when you do walk down yeah. the aisle of love forever with your fiance. Um, my gift to you is hit me up because I want to do a video for your reception introduction into your reception after you get married, which is one of my yes, specials. Dude. dude, you killed it, man. I got to say, like, so many people were, like, blown away when you came out and just because the video always murders. Like, it's just such a cool video, the music and everything. But when they saw you do it live, it was just a different ballgame. Yeah, it was awesome. We need to get you down. Down to, down to where? Down to where? 
we did, when we filmed the special, we're doing it in Austin, but like we should have you intro for the special. That would be crazy, dude. Uh, that would have... be crazy. All right, let's talk off there. When is that? When is that happening? Uh, we do. Um, I think it's September like nineteenth and twentieth. I think it's like uh, Sunday, Monday. Oh, uh, well, you got to be free then. Yeah, I got UFC, Andrew. On, On a Sunday? Sunday and a Monday. Andrew, we'll talk about it. Let me let me see because um, that's buffer posturing, Andrew. He's trying yeah, to figure I, out I, is, I got, is right. I, I won't bore everybody on the air. We'll talk about that off the air, and we'll see. Right, we hey, the, I will say something, especially in the Orpheum too, which is an amazing venue. There is something about Bruce Buffer that you don't even need to be a fight fan or totally know who he oh. is to be like, oh, it's time. It, it's time right now. It's happening now. Like how many people, how many people knew it? Like when you started it, people like. They've never seen the intro. First of all, it's time. Everybody starts saying it. They've never seen the intro when you're like, the one, the only, the infamous. Like, yeah. they've never seen that. But they started saying it. That How was weird is that? Thing. Like, maybe oh. they're familiar with, like, Connors. But, like, the one, the only, the infamous, they repeated at the same time you said it. And I was like, what is happening here? This Bruce, is- you, you've ingrained yourself into the DNA of human beings somehow. That's it. That's it. I really appreciate the kind word, guys. I mean, I'm sitting here blushing right now, but the show's not about me. It's about yeah. you, Andrew. It's about sure, you. It's sure, about sure. you. It's about you. Well, to be fair, this show is called It's Time with Bruce Buffer. I'm just saying. Yeah, that's true. Sure. Right now, Bruce. it's our time with Andrew Schultz. That's right. <laughs> hey, Andrew, you know, one of the things I noticed about comedians, even Joe Rogan told me one time, you know, all your material, how do you store that? I mean, Rogan's got probably 8 million three by five cards sitting in files. How do you store all the material? Do you store your material or how does that work for you? And, and right up here, man. how often do you repeat your material? Are you, how does that work? Like it's all up here, but I also have like notes in my phone. So there'll be tons of notes that have like bullet points. And like, now that we're trying to get the special, you know, ready, you know, just going through everything and really kind of like buttoning certain things up. But um, yeah, it's all up here mostly, you know, uh, but, and then it's just repetition, repetition, repetition. And, a lot of people are like, how the fuck can you memorize something that's an hour long? It, when you think of things, they're much easier to remember. Like I right. couldn't memorize an hour long speech, you know, like I, that would be impossible if somebody else just wrote me a speech and I had to memorize it for an hour. But something that I've thought of broken down into like three minute chunks, it's like, oh yeah, I kind of know that. And I like being loose with it. I like saying a little different one night. Then maybe you find something new, you find something interesting. As long as I have my like, the ethos of the joke, like what, what the joke is about. And like a few of the punchlines that I know really fucking crack that's I'm in a good space to kind of explore. How do you keep time, Andrew? I mean, obviously like, uh, there's not a clock per se, is there? No, I mean, yeah, sometimes there are, but like, I know, I know now, like I know more or less how long it is when I'm, when I'm just like messing around on the, you know, when I'm just messing around on the road, I'm like really messing around with the audience. That's, tricky to keep time because if i'm fucking around with it i'm and i'm on something for a while that could be that could be 20 minutes right and then i'm doing an hour now we're at an hour 20 this is you know shows going long so uh that's where it gets a little tricky but sometimes they'll just light you i just tell people to light me when i'm at a certain time got it i I encourage everybody you know your first netflix special was in uh, i think 2020 uh schultz saves america yeah, yeah, everybody yeah. watching this, if you haven't seen Andrew's comedy and TJ, check it out. Schultz Saves America. Go to Netflix and watch the special. Yeah, right? cool. it's hilarious. And how I, how clutch has Netflix been for comedy? Like, seriously. Yeah, they've been great. They've been great, man. I mean, for me, my saving grace was YouTube and Instagram. You know, like 
I started putting stuff up on YouTube and Instagram and like it, it really became a way to like, uh, you know, kind of promote myself, but also like show people what the experience would be at a show. And then they started going, man, I got to be here. I got to experience this. And I think my success and obviously going on Rogan and telling them about, you know, what worked for me really inspired a lot of comics to start making clips of their comedy and putting it on Instagram and, and, and YouTube and exploring that Avenue. And, uh, yeah, kind of like transition the way that comics look at their material a bit, you know, because before you just hoard all your material for a special. And now people look at their material as their their best marketing tool. It's right. Like if you have a great joke and that goes viral, all of a sudden there's a hundred thousand people that are your new subscribers and followers. They might come out to your shows. So uh for me, like YouTube and Instagram has been so amazing. Um and then Netflix, we did the the special, which is like not stand-up, it's a this show that we are doing during the pandemic and then it's this four part kind of series, but that was great opportunity to do. I mean, that was just so cool. And they basically just cut the check and they said, do what you want, which I thought is always great when it comes to like creating things like just get out the way we know what we're doing. And um, yeah, we created a really cool, really cool project. What, what's like, crazy? They're cutting some nice checks these days. Andrew. Seriously. Hey, I'll take it. I'll take it, man. And, I'll take it. Yeah. And, and that's something too, you know, going back in the nineties, it wasn't unheard of, but like the, the idea that comedians could do arenas, you know, these huge arenas, like yeah. there, there were one-offs, but now it seems so, so much more common. And that, that's something I think that is special. And Bruce, I know you appreciate comedy. Uh, unlike any other, this is something you've been passionate about for a long time, but I feel like in the last five or six years, we've started to see more and more arenas done by, by comics and, and that's something special well you know you go back to the days of andrew dice clay when he was selling out madison square garden selling out yeah. the forum you know it, it has been going on for a long time you know you talk about but not with Eddie the frequency Murphy. i don't think not, not with frequency but you know you go back to the days of uh, richard pryor you know selling out the great richard pryor uh selling out so much you know and eddie murphy being the richard pryor of his day and did you appreciate the comedy of richard pryor andrew was that somebody you enjoyed uh so here's the thing yes but I, I found out about Richard after I found out about Eddie. Got it. So a lot of people who like knew about Richard first, they saw Eddie and they were like, oh, wow, here's this new iteration of this guy that we love. And you could see all the influence in Eddie from Richard. Right. But I saw Eddie first. So seeing Richard after Eddie, I was like, oh, this is kind of like a thing I've already yeah. seen. Yeah. So it, it wasn't like the craziest thing for me to see, but I recognize his greatness and I recognize how people spoke about him. I think there's just a little bit of a generational gap for me, you know, in the same way that like, I think a lot of younger people, they don't understand uh, the impact of Carlin, even myself included, because they saw maybe Carlin's later work. So they were like, oh, this guy makes really good points. He's like, he's really thought provoking. He's just so brilliant, but maybe they're not like cackling, laughing the whole time. When you see like earlier Carlin, you see his, you know, trans, you know, transition, I guess you could say into this philosopher, you, you take that with you. So I, I, I appreciate dirty, that. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Seven dirty words, Andrew, seven dirty yeah. words. Yeah. George Carlin. I actually had the pleasure of seeing George Carlin, at the Santa Monica civic auditorium, the great Don Rickles. I saw in Vegas at least eight times what hilarious back in his heyday and one comedian that was really big for me not maybe your kind of humor but funny is rodney dangerfield even henny youngman used to crack me up i saw all these guys incredible you know you see i 
I, I appreciate uh, Andrew's, uh, you know, reflection on on Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy because there, there's a bit of a tie-in between comedy fans and mixed martial arts fans, and there are a lot of mixed martial arts fans that today know that they're supposed to say, "I love Pride Fighting Championships and I love the WEC," but they didn't see it, they didn't watch it live right, and experience right. it. And there are very few people that I think, you know, like I can't tell you how many people said they saw UFC one. No, you didn't. I was nine yeah. when UFC yeah. one happened. But you, you yeah. if you're a true hardcore fan you need to appreciate you know what was uh, essentially the groundwork for what today's modern product is and you know i i think there are probably comedy fans andrew that are the same way saying oh i love richard Pryor," but it's like yeah you, you don't have it with the same lens as you know say some of the the older uh people that were fans back then uh, necessarily saw it through yeah exactly i think that we know the right thing to say but it's not often how we feel and um i don't know i just try to get as close as I possibly can to articulating how I feel at most times in life. Well, and uh, I'll tell you, you damn well do it. Incredible. Incredibly, <laughs> excuse me, if I can get my English correct here. Thank One you. little side note, TJ, get this. The first time Andrew made his debut, you, you think it was here in the United States, TJ? Well, I'm guessing you set it up that way. No, I probably not. His debut was at the Edinburgh Comedy Festival in Edinburgh, Scotland. How oh, wow. the hell did that happen? That's odd. Yeah, that is that is weird. I I actually did do stand up before I went there. I, maybe I did do it. I did do that festival though. I did a few shows at that festival. That was super early on. Maybe that and like being part of a festival or being like announced within something, you know. Right. Got but it. uh, but I did do stand up before I went out there. But uh, my mom was born and raised in Scotland, so I, you know, we were out there in Scotland. I was like, let me see if I can get on some shows and do this festival and. Uh, it's a pretty crazy experience. There's like hundreds of stand-up shows that happen really over the course of a month. Like wow, wow. and like it's just it's like too much. But the, you know, everybody's out there trying to like make it, and they think that's gonna be their big thing to break. And uh, and yeah, you know, so basically uh, that maybe was the case. But now there's YouTube, guys. Put it on YouTube, okay? <laughs> More people can watch you on YouTube that can watch you in person. That is the beauty of YouTube. You have access to the whole world, not access to whoever the fuck is in Scotland that month. So, which has blown up even more since COVID. I mean, my uh, business has increased four or five hundred percent through a virtual. Uh, you know, it's incredible. You can be oh, everywhere yeah. now. You know, incredible. Yeah. Hey, Andrew, uh, TJ, get this. You know, just like I have Puncher's Chance, which Andrew is a perfect example of what Puncher's Chance is all about. You know, Let's underdogs. Go. Well, I mean, the guy that hit him didn't have a Puncher's Chance, apparently. Wow. <laughs> wow that's true did you get your bottle andrew I don't, I don't know i don't think i have it just yet did you guys get the did you yeah the i got the, i got t-shirts i didn't get the bottle but i tried uh, that's what i was going to get to here tj andrew has his own tequila show the nice. bottle if you have do you have your bottle oh there? yeah 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 well well it's not only mine but we're partnered with this company sundays and uh they're they're just fucking brilliant and uh, thank you guys so much for letting me even shout them out but uh they're they're great. They're great guys, and the tequila is fucking amazing. And and we figured, you know, like let's 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 look at this business like a real business, man. Like you know, we're performing in all these venues around the country, and these people are drinking alcohol at these venues. So it's like, hey, why don't we partner up with a tequila brand we really like? We think the fans will enjoy, and then why don't we make sure that that tequila is served in the venues we go to? Like this is a no brainer. And no -brainer. Um, yes, yeah, so Sundays was cool enough to understand it and like want to get on board and. Now we're out here cooking, man. But uh, I need to get that puncher's chance, though, man. That stuff looks good. It's on the way. You know, we won three gold medals for the best tasting bourbon in America and three gold medals for best design bottles. So we're on our way. We're the fastest selling craft distributor in the United States right now. Oh, really? So you're killing it. 
well, you know, the business, we're going to move 30,000 cases this year. Wow. You know what that comes to. And, 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 and bourbon, I think, is something that people are really sort of dead set on what they like. Not a lot of people really sort of venture out and try something new. It's like, oh, I'm a jack guy, you know? So it's like, yeah. you're doing good, Bruce. Thank it's you. Like, Thank it's you. like jeans for a dude. Right. You know, like once you have your pair of jeans, like you don't need to like run around trying on different pairs. You have what you like. So, yeah, if you're breaking into that market, that's impressive, man. Well, you're breaking into your markets and your branding of yourself and everything is spectacular. It's just going to get more so. You're going to get more successful beyond the amazing success you already have. I'm a big fan. I met you, but I became a big fan after I met you. I became, I met you, we became friends, but I'm a big fan. After the show and seeing you do what you do best, um, it's awesome, TJ. You get a chance, man. He's in L.A. You got to go see him. Got to go see him. Yeah, no, I'll uh, I'll tag along with you and you can bring him a bottle of punch of chance. Are you in L.A., TJ? Yeah, yep. I think that the closest we're going to get is like in the near future is San Diego. But uh, that's not bad. I mean, I'm, I'm driving to Tijuana this weekend. So a trip down to San Diego is not hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's we do it. Out there, my man. Appreciate Andrew, it. tell us about your podcast. Anything else you want to promote? Cause oh, I, yeah. I really check out the your podcast. Time. Flagrant 2, man. Come check out the Infamous Tour. And um, Flagrant 2 is a podcast. I also do one with Charlemagne, a guy called Brilliant Idiots. And, uh, just check them out, man. We love doing it. You know, the podcast has just been a massive way to connect with the fans and kind of like build that rapport and, and kind of build something special. So, uh, yeah, I love I love doing the podcast. The podcast and the stand-up, I'm a happy guy, man. I'll tell you that much. Totally understandable. That's why I love my show. It's not about the monetization of the show. For me, it's a cathartic experience. When I'm done an hour of my podcast, I'm sure the same for your comedy. It almost feels like you just got it all out. Got it out. Get yeah. it out. Get yeah. it out. Let it go. Let it fly. Totally. Andrew, real pleasure having you on the show. I could talk to you for another hour plus. It's just, uh, you're a very interesting young man. And um, I'm just very uh, uh, happy and appreciative of your success. You know, I love seeing people successful. It's Thank something you. that I get off on and to see you grow. And I'm going to be watching you, man, because you're Thank here you, for man. decades and decades. I'm Thanks. only here for another couple decades, but I'll, I'll help you out. One of the couple, bro. Come on. No, no. He's, 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 see, I think he's driving that rate up. I think Bruce is going to live in the ethos forever. He's going to have a hologram in the UFC when he's long gone from this Damn planet. Right. He's going to be here forever. Damn right. Uh, whatever you want to do is fine. I just try to be the best I can be. Like me or not like me, just appreciate it. Like you, Andrew. Appreciate what we do. We're just trying to be the best we can be. That's all. That's all right, Andrew. That's listen, it. have a great day. God bless you, my man. Thank you so much. Bless you too, my friend. Thank you so much, and I'll see you soon. Big cheers. See you, see see you, you Take care. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. What a nice guy. Cool guy. All the way down. You know, when uh, Rogan called me, and I've done work for comedians before. Uh, I, you're, you're a real comic head. Like, I don't think people realize how much you appreciate comedy. Like, you're a, a true, true blue fan. That's why I started the It's Time Comedy Night. Right. Remember, I had that. I had yeah. the show at the Laugh Factory. It was a, a sold-out success, you know, small room, 150 people. But that's yeah, COVID kind of, like, put a stomp on that, though. I was going to do a show every month, and yeah. it wasn't about making money off it. It's just what a great night once right. a month. Well, the that, you at least had a date night, you know. If you were going to meet anybody, you know, you always had that go-to, like, hey, come on down to the comedy night. Go to date night. I think I invited too many at the first show, though. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Might happen. Might happen. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. But um, after that, the comedy store uh, said, great. We, we heard about the show. We want you to come over to the comedy store. I had it all set, TJ, once a month and COVID hit. Yeah. Now, now the, I know the comedy shows are happening. 
I'm not ready. No, no. I mean, Bruce, uh, my uh, my brother-in-law got COVID this week, and he was fully vaccinated. So, uh, you know, the the saga continues, and it's getting closer and closer to home each and every week. So, yeah. All right. Well, you brought up COVID. So, again, I want to thank Andrew, the great Andrew Schultz. I, I mean, he's amazing. I'm telling you, you got to catch the show. But it was great having him on. Um, but let's do a little switch here, a couple things in the news before we sign off. Let's talk COVID, okay? Right. Sorry to hear about your brother-in-law. He'll be have, all right. He's already feeling better, but yeah. Yeah, but still, the, the, the fact is now where the vaccine, like, for instance, Mama Buffer's birthday's Friday. Okay. She's going to be 93 years old, okay? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And she had COVID in January before she got vaccinated and survived COVID and then got vaccinated. Vaccinated is not the armor that no. we thought it was. It's the armor against hopefully dying in the hospital or seriously getting in the hospital. But people are winding up in the hospital that have been vaccinated. Yeah. No, that's that's the problem. I know, like you talk about your brother-in-law, two examples. I know of one man that's had COVID twice since he's been vaccinated. Another one who's a CrossFit instructor at 40 years old, the most amazing shape you can possibly imagine, that has been in the hospital for like a month. See, that's that's what's scary, Bruce. And like, I know we have the Delta variant and, you know, the initial variant, all that thing. But like, if you've had COVID twice and you've been vaccinated, the theory is that's three different strains, right? At least you're supposed to be vaccinated against one kind of strain. And then if you have two others, you should be, you know, impenetrable. But that's just not the case. So I wonder how many sort of variations of COVID there are that we're even fully completely aware of. I don't know. It's almost like trying to figure out how many cells there are in the United States come September 11th and what's going to happen then. We just don't know. Right. You know, that's another yeah. subject I don't really want to get into. I think it speaks for itself. I can't believe it's already been 20 years. It's crazy. And then uh, the reason I mentioned, you know, mama's birthday, I'm having Chris and the kids and uh, just the family, like nine people. Right. Now, granted, we all get together, but the kids are in school now. Right. So what am I supposed to do? No, that's the the issue, Bruce. I feel like, you know, we shut down a lot. And I'm not saying that was bad by any means. I think that was the right thing to do. Uh, probably should have done it a little bit quicker, maybe a little bit longer in a sense. But now, you know, COVID is, is just as scary, if not more scary than ever. And a lot of people, you know, aren't following any sort of mask mandates where they live or or don't want to, you know, even entertain the idea of going backwards. And I get it. It's not a fun scenario to be in. But the idea that we can really be as careful as we want to be when children are in school. uh, I'm sorry, Bruce, like if you're 12 or under, you're not vaccinated. Um, you know, kids have a hard time, you know, just being controlled themselves to make sure that they have the mask on. Like my uh, my best friend, he's a, a fifth grade teacher in Las Vegas. They have a mask mandate at their school, but they also have a 10 minute maskless period where they're allowed to take a break. What? Like, what What does that do? What is that? That's, that doesn't fit. No, that that's like saying, hey, don't get wet. But by the way, we're going to jump in the pool for 10 minutes, but don't get wet. OK, I have another analogy. It's like wear a condom, but halfway through sex, take it off. What the hell is that all about? It doesn't make any sense, Bruce. And that's the issue that I've had with this from the entirety from March 2022 today is none of this stuff makes sense. And, and when you don't operate to a logical mindset, everything that you're doing is just a dog and pony show, really. Well, getting back to the birthday, the small affair. I, I mean, mom's 93. I, I, I yeah. thank every day that she's on this earth. 
And, um, you know, and she, and she survived a lot more things than COVID too. Like uh, your mother's a fighter, man. I'll go down the list on toughest, most amazing women. I know, you know, old breed, it's a great generation. Um, whatever that brings to the table, which we, I think we know, but I think the thing to do is tonight, I am going to be like little Santa Claus. I'm going to Kristen's house. I'm going to rapid test everybody. Mm -hmm. Even though I know I just got to, I got to have a clear head. Yeah. Brian, I talked about this last night and, uh, the other guests, they're coming over today to get rapid tested. And then I'm rapid testing myself. And you know, I just have to. I have to have that clear sense. But even when we're all together, we're still going to stay distance. Right. It's fucked up, TJ. Okay. This is really crazy. I know I that's what the 14th time I've said the F-bomb. I know. I know. Well, you it's said a lot up. more. You said a lot more in the last year for good reason because it's true, Bruce. Like, think about that. Like it, rewind to 2019. If I said social distancing to you, we wouldn't know what that word is and, and now distancing was me staying two feet away in case my breath smelled bad right yeah exactly like distancing. like did i just have like a, a piece of pizza and i don't have any gum nearby you're right yeah. and, and and now it's just in this point where like i don't honestly like i don't know how to interact with people in person anymore not because of anxiety or anything like that but it's like some people want to bump knuckles other people want to shake hands uh, you know for other reasons altogether we've talked about not hugging uh people in the modern era there are people that still want to embrace in that way and it's like i don't know what i'm supposed to do anymore bruce i don't know what people are expecting out of me in those environments and, and you know it goes back to the the thing that i said what it's not about which is you know anxiety but there's also some social anxiety that is introduced into this equation too because you just don't know what to do and you don't want to come off weird do you ever go through a situation where um You've been in a crowd, like like an Invicta event. Sure. Then you go home to your room and you go, damn it. Why did I do that? Not the show. Why did I get close to the five people I don't know? Why did I not put on my mask when I was just met that one person? Right. Well, mean, so just... the question is, why did you not deny human instinct in nature the entire time? Because that's what yeah. it is, Bruce. Like, yeah. It's you know, dropping your guard. It's, right. dropping, it's dropping your guard. And especially you're a performer. So it's like you you want to be appreciative to the people that are around you and that come up to you. And, you know, the hardest thing to do, uh, I mean, for, for me, is not shake someone's hand when they offer it to me. You know what I mean? Like, it's just it, my brain just extends a handshake because that's what I was always taught to do. And you Get never want to reject someone like that. And we're getting to a time where it's like where you just talk about your mother that's good enough reason to stay away from everyone and i know that's not what you want to do that's not what's in here in your heart but you have to do right it's what you have to do and um look it's uh we're in a changing time that's not changing you yeah know, i thought we were coming out of this we're not we're getting back into it no and and what's scary too is it's not that people are getting COVID after being vaccinated it's that like you said they're going to the hospital the, the, the cases that they're getting are much more serious than they were for their age demographic. When this whole thing started, kids. we had no defense. The kids, the I know. states that don't even have ICU beds for the kids, it's horrible. My, my son is, is homeschooled, Bruce. He's, uh, you know, on an online program. And, you know, there are some people that make me feel uh, like that's a bad decision. Uh, my son, one of them, you know, he wants to go out and see friends and, and be a kid. But at the end of the day, until he's at least vaccinated, I'm, I'm keeping them home. And, you know, you, you can sort of say that that's illogical for me because, like, I'm going to Tijuana. 
on on Sunday. You know, I've got a combat jiu-jitsu down there, and, you know, uh, I'm vaccinated, but it doesn't matter. Traveling at all, let alone, I mean, Tijuana is not the most exotic of uh, destinations when you're in Southern California. It's, it's yes, you're going to a different country, so yes, it's international oh, travel, but... It's a place I've avoided since I was 19 years old. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe that's a different story altogether. But what I am saying is, you know, I, I take these risks for my work that, you know, one could point to, is it really necessary to be this strict with my son? And, uh, you know, for me and my wife, the answer is yes. But if you want to say that I'm hypocritical in any way, I see your point. I do get it. But, you know, you and I do what we have to do uh, to, to make a living. And, you know, the only thing that we can really do at the end of the day is uh, try our best to be safe. I agree. All right, listen, we have to go, but I want to talk one more subject. And I got a couple of things to promote before we take off. Let's do it. Um, okay, Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley. Yeah, do you watch? I saw a funny post on Twitter. Tyron, the frozen one, they call him. Tyron, no one ever says his name correctly. Um, I mean, it wasn't that bad this time. Um, You know, the thing about Tyron maybe not stepping on the gas uh, in this fight, like uh, he he hasn't seemed to in his last couple of fights, um, was the fact that this is different. Like, people don't understand the mindset that a mixed martial artist has to go through striking-wise, in a boxing match. I mean, he looked completely... His hands were different, you know. He uh, he, he approached... 100%. Like, I mean, there's an argument to be made that he won. I I don't think he necessarily won. Um, But that said, that's because it was a boxing match. If it was a mixed martial arts match or if it was a fight on the playground, I mean, he sent Jake Paul almost through the ropes, you know. He absolutely did. He rocked Jake Paul. Bad. No question. Tyron was never hurt like that, ever. Never even hurt one bit. I give Tyron all the credit in the world. Right. But he lost the game. There. He just lost the game, unfortunately. He That's the game the of game. fighting. I hope he made a ton of money. I even heard Jake Paul uh, gave him even more money than he was supposed to get. So let's give a little credit to Jake Paul, who gave a part of his purse to other people on the show because he wants people to make more money. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, I hate to say this. Part of me thinks Jake Paul is a little bit of a troll in that sense. I think he doesn't necessarily need the money. I think he wants to um, be this sort of virtuous person uh, at the same time while still being an internet troll. Uh, I'm not saying that his heart isn't in the right place, but it's hard to look at some of the stuff that he's done and then be like, oh, he's the savior of boxing and combat sports. And um, I don't know. It's it's, it's an odd feeling for me. I, it's called smart marketing. Okay. Sure. And he and his brother are brilliant. Logan and I were texting each other the other day, and and I and I thank Logan. I thank Logan and he his brother because they're bringing, as we talked about in the show, they're bringing new eyeballs to the great sport of boxing. Whether they stay and keep watching is another story. I don't know. I don't know if they're bringing new eyeballs to boxing. I mean, well, yes, it's it a boxing if, card. It, de- it depends but, if they're sustainable. In other words, do they continue to watch boxing? But, but the pay per view numbers for this thing, I understand, are huge. Right, um, but Bruce, is it boxing if people are tuning in and not really even caring about boxing? I don't know. That's if my they're, point. Yeah, like is it sustainable? That's my point. Will they watch another? Are they going to watch September 11th when Delahoya and uh, Vitor go at it, and Tito and Anderson Silva? Now, granted, that's another exhibition style boxing show, but will they watch the Canelo pay per view? No, or Anthony Joshua. No, happen? no, they're probably not. No. And, yeah. you know, that that's one thing. There are some people that have made some comparisons to the Ultimate Fighter and what Forrest and, and Stefan did on, on season one. It's not the same thing it's because people became thing. MMA fans that night. The people that are watching this, 
they're not becoming boxing fans. They're they're interested in sort of the, the spectacle, and they have morbid curiosity. Uh, I think more fight fans watch this than any of the other ones because, uh, you know, looking at, at Tyron, like, he engaged the MMA community. Like, real hardcore MMA fans watch this event. Um, I don't think that if you're a hardcore MMA fan, you tuned in and saw Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley box, and you go, you know what? I'm going to make sure that I watch the next Showtime pay-per-view because that's just not true. It's not going to happen. Real simple. I paid fifty nine nine or forty nine nine or whatever it was, right. and I was entertained. And also, there were a couple of good matches on the undercard. Yeah, I was entertained. I mean, um, Amanda Serrano was was phenomenal. I liked awesome. watching her work. Um, I still think it's crazy that women are boxing two minute rounds. That doesn't make any sense to me. The idea that women can't have a three minute round. It, it's similar to that in in mixed martial arts when Gary Shaw started promoting women, and they were only allowed to fight you know three minute rounds. If you're going to give, don't let me get started on Gary well, if, Shaw. It, go ahead. Right. If you're going to give women the opportunity to champ uh to fight for championship stakes allow them the championship time and uh you know hopefully that changes because i don't know a single fighter bruce period that goes you know what i i would like less time to work i would like less time to try to hunt for a finish i would like less time to go out there and showcase my skills no one ever at the high level says that Women can fight five-minute rounds in UFC and the mixed martial arts. They can fight three-minute rounds in boxing. It's simple. 100%. Yeah. Simple as that. But you know what? Kudos to Jake Paul. Kudos to Tyron. Um, take the Ty- money. Tyron wants a rematch. Jake Paul already said he doesn't want to box again. Whatever that means. Who knows? They, get, come on. I mean, how many times has Conor McGregor retired? Don't fall that's, for that's it. All, listen. Okay? We'll yeah. See yeah. yeah. No, we'll I, I've, I mean, he's going to box again. He's going to box until the wheels fall off, until there's no market there. Is Tyron going to get it? And you know what? Be careful because the saturation is going to take place. It's already taking place. It is. It is. I told you about the TikTok event they had in Florida. They couldn't even finish paying everybody. Right. They including, had. Including Michael Buffer, who announced Ooh, it. Ooh, that's so not good. That's don't bad think business. I'm on the ticket on that one. Okay. You know, that, that, that's another thing, too. There was like a, you know, that uh, reality show, Big Brother? They had Big Brother USA versus Big Brother Canada a few weeks ago, and it went relatively under the radar. But that's because you can't flood the market with this. People don't like at the end of the day, people want. Yes, they want personalities and they want polarizing personalities for sure. But at the end of the day, people are are not going to part with their money for subpar fighting events, especially when there are dozens of them. In, in a given, you know, two or three month period. So, you know, go out there and, and collect the money and, and, you know, try to get eyeballs and all that stuff. But when the wheels fall off and people don't care anymore, don't be surprised. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. And, and that's Our, why I think, you know, going back to our guests last week, that's why there's some legs to the Shannon Briggs and Quentin Jackson thing, because it's combat sport athletes trying their hands at another combat sport and reciprocating the opportunity to the uh, the athlete from the other uh, fighting sports. So, uh, I mean, I'm not going to say that, that that takes over and sells a billion pay-per-views, but I am saying that you're, you're catering to, at the end of the day, what we all are and that are fight fans. I think the reaction, though, in response to what you're saying is if you look at the number of views the show last week has been receiving, yeah, there is interest in this fight. And how can there not be? Both of those guys are polarizing individuals, fantastic fighters. Uh, you know, MMA is going to cheer for the MMA guy. Boxing is going to cheer for the boxing uh, the participants. Boxing MMA, it, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean, no, you're good. You're good. It's truly the MMA boxing event, as I said last week. I want to see. Speaking of Rampage Jackson, millions.co. Boom! There it is. Nicely done. 
We actually produce T-shirts like his old Pride T-shirts. Oh, it's cool. That's what Quinn wanted. So go to millions.co, get your Rampage Jackson merch. It's all right there. Rampage jumped on that. Within a second, Shannon will have his merchandise there soon, too. The other thing I want to announce is for our fans and our listeners in the UK, Ireland, all over UK, UK, London, everything. It's Time Energy has been released in the UK. You can go to itstimeenergy.com. Here in the States, check out itstimeenergy.com. We'll be on sale on Amazon before we hit retail stores here in the United States in nice. October. That's huge. Big hit out of the gate, TJ. Big of hit. course. Most natural, perfect energy product made with athletes in mind, and you will not get flagged by USADA. This Has is- anyone gotten flagged from an energy drink, though, Bruce? You keep saying that, but I don't think anybody's gotten flagged well, from an better, energy no, drink. I don't think anybody's got flagged, but there's certain things that, you know, people don't like, that the taurine alone that's in the Red Bulls yeah. and Monsters of this world. It's just not a good product. Well, I, I saw a meme the other day that said people are afraid of this vaccine because, you know, they don't know what's going to happen to them in 10 years, but they're the same people that are, you know, shoving down Red Bulls for the last 20 years without any sort of idea how taurine affects you later on in life. Yeah. Well, what we've done is that we put the whole amino acid chain in there, vitamins, everything. It's much more than an energy drink. It's right. Much more- but I mean, it's it's it sounds like a natural uh, energy drink as much as uh, an energy drink can be natural. And, and that's you know, we've talked about that for years. Like if you want to fuel your body, you need to do so with actual food and things that are, you know, full of nutrients. And, and you know, the thing about energy is, like you said, with with amino acids and things like that, that's a hell of a lot better than the crap that I don't even know how to say some of that. The, the, the names, you know what I mean? Real simple. It's time. Get natural. And I, like I always tell you, staying in shape is 75% what you eat and 25% how you work out and keep it natural. Okay. Just keep it natural. Well, oh, then you show those bicep implants. I don't know. You're sending mixed I messages there. I, mean, it's, it's, I got to have this re-injected over here. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, TJ, go ahead and let us know what's up before we sign off. Uh, had a pretty great Invicta show uh, last uh, fr- yeah, Friday night. Had one of the best knockouts I've ever seen. Uh, Emily Ducote knocked out uh, uh, awesome. Danielle Taylor. That, I mean, uh, uh, Zhang Wali was not even uh, able to knock out Danielle Taylor the way that Emily Ducote, uh did. So uh, you can check that out. Uh, I believe the encore is on Fight, fight.tv. Um, and then uh, what else is going on? Uh, UFC coming up on... Uh, Saturday night, I got extra rounds on uh, Thursday uh, with myself and uh, Pearl Gonzalez. Uh, just chatted with uh, uh, Brian Battle, the latest uh, winner of the Ultimate Fighter at 185 pounds. Such a nice cat. kid. Yeah. Interesting cat. Yep. Yeah, really, really cool to sort of see that next generation. He was nine years old, Bruce, when the first season of The Ultimate Fighter was on. Uh, became a fan of it with his dad uh, watching uh, season two. And, uh, you know, he wins season 29. And it's crazy how the world works. And, uh, He's the one that weighed 280 pounds at one time, wasn't he? I believe so, yeah. Yep. Unbelievable. So, so uh, tune in. Check that out. It is uh, tomorrow night. So, so I guess tonight, as people get it, Thursday at 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific. Extra rounds live on the UFC Fight Pass Facebook page. Yeah, that's awesome. And, of course, um, I'm looking forward to it because I'll be there announcing it. It's an early show. We start at 1030 in the morning. We'll be over at 4. Very, very Dang. early. Show. Derek Brunson, Darren Till in the main event, uh, Alex Morono and Davis Wada, uh, Molly McCann, who I always love to watch fight, against Ji-Yong Kim. I, I like the early ones, you know. It's, uh, the early you, ones are good. The early get, ones are good, good fights you, here. You get to digest it kind of like people digest the NFL, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of the NFL – can't make the announcement. What a tease, Buff. I can't make the announcement. Coming soon. Coming very, very soon. How about opening week, TJ? 
I like it. I mean, that's opening the week week, for it. and we will talk about that the week of September 13th on our show that week, we will discuss it. And I guarantee you that knowing what I'm doing, millions of eyeballs are going to be on it. So that's all I'm going to say. I'm so excited. I can't begin to tell you. So excited. I mean, I, th- I think uh, some people have connected dots, but we're looking forward to the actual hey, you reveal. you connect the dots, you go right ahead and connect those dots. Right, like, right. I mean, you, you connect the dots uh, and get that paycheck and, and have a blast doing it. And I think uh, we have uh, a female boxer on uh, named Avril, who's a friend of mine. She's an Australian model, beautiful girl, boxing professionally. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, she's coming on next week. So I think what we'll do is we'll have Sammy on next week. Oh, it sounds uh, like fun, yeah. Yeah. Let's have a real on Sammy on. So if you have questions for the sex and relationship show, which we will have our sex and relationship section every time Sammy's on the show, tell them where to send their questions, please, TJ. Uh, DeSantisMMA at gmail.com. You can also get at us uh, on Twitter uh, at TJ DeSantis, at Bruce Buffer, uh, on Instagram at TJ DeSantis, and at Bruce Buffer UFC. Ask whatever you want. The best question we'll receive an autographed photo, and um, we'll get it out there. All right, we'll be back next week, everybody. I'll see you Saturday night from the Octagon. Have a great week. Don't forget, it's time. UK, go to itstimeenergy.com. Special thing. Oh, one thing on itstimeenergy.com. You can enter a contest. They made these beautifully framed. I sent them some of my fight cards. They made this beautiful frame with the fight cards and my picture and signature and everything. I mean, it's probably worth like a 1000 bucks. Nice. Right? So they're giving away like 10 or 12 of them on the contest. So when you go to itstimeenergy.com to get your It's Time Energy in the UK, enter the contest. Enter the con- grab one of these. Sign up. You know? Sign up. Okay. With that being said, everybody have a great week. Set your goals, write them down, learn about them so when you step on the path, you can be the best you can be whether you're first, second, third or number 1, you're winning. So just be the best you can be. That's what we're all about on the It's Time Radio is winning. We had a winning comedian on, we've got a winning producer on. I consider myself the one that always wants to go out and win, but all I want to do is be the best I can be. Love me or hate me. I'm just trying to be the best I can be. So you try that too. Buffer out. Have a great week.